A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whether your business needs cars, vans or larger commercial vehicles, you can rent from the best lineup in the UK with Enterprise. And with flexible long-term rental, you can get vehicles for as long as you need them, from minutes to months. Whatever the mission, Enterprise's mobility experts can build a bespoke solution to suit your business needs. Visit enterprise.co.uk forward slash business to find out more. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello, it's Andy Goldstein here with another chance for you to hear the Andy Goldstein's The Art of Captaincy, a talk sports special exploring the role of captains in sport. Of course, I had nothing to do with it, but obviously if I'm reading something out, I have to legally put my name to it. This was narrated by Henry Winter, the chief football writer for The Times, although I'm not quite sure why they didn't ask me to do it, but anyway. The documentary boasts a stellar lineup of guests, including Gary Neville, great name, Frank Lampard, great name, Arsene Wenger, oh, they do have great names actually, Sam Orbiton, and many more. So sit back, relax, and it's free, and enjoy. It's the one guy who cares about the team a little bit more than himself. Oh, and that's not the reaction that Xhaka should deliver. A guy who can remind people what they are there for and what is the target. He was chest stumping, but he also had lots of touches behind the scenes, which I think are the important thing when you really take everything away. Here come old and look, had a hit! Oh! Captain Fantastic! He pretended he couldn't speak English and then suddenly had a senior player around the throat when he was talking about him behind his back. Front five, let's take him to the edge of the side. We have to make him pay enough. Stunning! When you need someone to stand up and be counted, to pull an absolute rabbit from a hat. Really, what does a football captain do? Wears an armband, tosses a coin, always want to be the ultimate pro, and then you're walking off with your tail between your legs after 17 minutes of a World Cup semi-final. That's horrendous to go through. Jordan Henderson, a Liverpool legend now, as he takes the European Cup and lifts it to the Madrid night sky. Hello, I'm Henry Winter, Chief Football Writer for The Times, and I've always had a fascination with football captains, dating back to watching pictures of Bobby Moore lifting the World Cup at Wembley. Fortunately, in my career, I've been able to cover Tony Adams, Stephen Gerrard, Wayne Rooney, and now Harry Kane. And I've always been intrigued by what separated them as leaders of men. So welcome to the art of captaincy on TalkSport. 
where over the course of this documentary we'll explore the concept of leadership in sport. I don't think it is one size fits all when we talk about leadership and I've been surprised by individuals that, that I thought weren't leaders have come to the fore and led. Discover exactly what a captain does. He would be the first one if we had tough times to, to call a meeting, to approach the manager about something from us players that we felt was, was a message to get across. And find out what it's really like to wear the armband. I love it. I try and thrive off it and I think that's why the manager trusted me. I didn't want it. I, I just wanted to enjoy because I wasn't I can't say I particularly enjoy being captain. We'll also explore how the role of the captain has changed over the years. I think the days are gone where people pin each other up against the changing room wall. I think it's much more of a psychological game these days. And ask why the conventional skipper has become a dying breed in modern football. As we give more and more information we don't actually develop strong-minded people as much as we used to do because they don't think for themselves often enough. In recent weeks, however, the spotlight has been on one Premier League captain in particular, Arsenal's Granit Xhaka. Oh, and that's not the reaction that Xhaka should deliver. He walks up at the field and as he's being booed, he raises his arm to Arsenal to do it again. His hand goes up to his ear and twice he's sworn in English. He's captain in his national team and he has the condition to be the captain. And I decided for that because the player respects that. And then he took off his shirt as he got across to the uh, white line and stormed straight down the tunnel. Yes, he made a mistake. I'm not condoning what he no, did. But the, come no, on. no, no, no. You're the captain of the club. I've never known a player commit the same mistakes game after game. He doesn't lead in any way, shape or form. Well, it's not only him. It's a lot of people They speak a lot of about that. Captains don't behave like that. I could never see Patrick Vieira, Tony Adams conduct themselves in that manner. People have said things like, we will break your legs, kill your wife and wish that your daughter gets cancer. That stirred me up and I reached boiling point when I felt the rejection in the stadium on Sunday. He left the ground before the full-time whistle. Oh, Three senior players went to go and see him to make sure he was OK. The breaking news this hour is that Unai Emery has confirmed Granite Xhaka has been stripped of the captaincy at Arsenal. I decided he's not one of the captains. He accepted my decision and now he's, he's closed. Jacker's turbulent time as Arsenal's skipper invariably leads us to our first question. If he was never fit to wear the armband in the first place, then what makes the perfect football captain? Well, he has to be a bloody good player first. Somebody who wants to win, almost at all costs. Arsenal invincible Martin Keown skippered both his club and England as well as playing alongside some of Arsenal's greatest ever captains. A good communicator, a link between the management and the players... And above all else, you know, when he takes to the pitch, I want somebody that I can can rely upon, somebody that I can look to uh, in his performance, uh, in his drive and his desire to win. Former Manchester United club captain Gary Neville agrees. Manchester United, when I first broke in, there were probably six or seven captains on the pitch. So Steve Bruce, Cantona, Hughes, Keane, Ince... Uh, Brian Robson was in the squad and Peter Schmeichel was in goal. Any of those could have been captains. In fact, some of them were, obviously, were after, you know, different points. I played under Schmeichel as a captain, Keane, Bruce and Cantona. So four of those players that were in that squad. Essentially, it's just making sure that they have the respect to the dressing room. They set, they lead by example in terms of their work ethic. It's not about on the pitch, really, in terms of the match day. Because I think, generally, if you've got a really good group of players, you'll you'll get those group of, that group of players to give their all and do their jobs. 
it's off the pitch making sure that in the dressing room the manager is never in the change room in, in training ground so essentially he's away from you most of the time you just need to make sure that the captain and those senior group of players that are in that dressing room have got the right work ethic the right standards and that the younger players and players below them are always looking up to them thinking right that's what i need to do because they're doing it and that's what happened at united we we had nowhere to go we had to work hard because if you've got roy Keane as your captain or schmeichel or cantona or hughes and they're 30 years of age or 28 years of age played hundreds of games rich in essence but still fighting for every single ball every single day what does a young kid at the age of 20 or 21 do? He has to follow them. Stuart Pearce wore the armband with distinction for England and most notably Nottingham Forest in what proved to be one of the most successful domestic periods in the club's history. For Stuart, a captain needs to show a genuine interest in his teammates. The one thing that all good leaders sort of demonstrate is a care for the people that are in and around them that they're trying to influence, you know, and I think that draws people to them, you know. If if you and I are working together and you know that I've got your back and care about you, you're more likely to follow me as a leader than ever you are if you think, hang on a minute, this fella's only in it for himself. So that's an important trait. I think there's a multitude of things as well that run alongside leadership. I I always think that as a captain, I, I had to set an example away on the training pitch, away from it as well. How you live your life, you know, give examples by just everyday life. Don't pay lip service to it. Live, live the life that you would like them to lead and follow you with. You know, I, I've looked up to many, many players in my career as as role models, as school teachers to me, you name it, you know, and there's something inherently special about people you want to follow you you try to emulate them yes you do but also as well you do realize that they're out there to help you somewhere along the way sam allardyce the former premier league and england manager reckons the club captain also has to be the manager on the pitch there's various ways of what you want a captain to do lead by example always can they contribute on the pitch by sorting out if there's a problem by trying to make it better manager can't do it no matter how much he shouts on the thing, the only way he could do it is by making a, a substitution or there's somebody down injured you might get a message on. But if the captain sees it, he can do it. And then what he does in the dressing room when you're not there. Leicester boss Brendan Rogers is a little more philosophical about it. The captain has to be selfless. Someone who obviously who inspires, but someone who the players and the people can look at for, for many reasons. But for me, it, it's really the case of someone who is there to serve their teammates, and uh, to me, an ambassador for their club. Former Crystal Palace owner Simon Jordan expects quite a lot from a captain. I'd like to see, in an ideal world, you know, captains of football teams being leaders, being statesmen, being players of a certain calibre, being players of a certain character, being able to represent what the fans would like to see, which is a bit of backbone, a bit of spirit, a bit of discipline, a bit of pride in their environment. And most of all, leadership is at the centre of it. So are we asking too much of one person? They have to be bilingual, a world-class player who's everyone's best mate, but also the manager's general on the pitch. Accredited sports performance psychotherapist and broadcaster Gary Bloom helps us break it down. In sports psychology, there are three types of captains. One is what we call a task captain. How well do you play in your position? How well do you execute your role? The other one is a motivational captain. And the third is what's known as an external captain, a social leader of the group who might have other tasks, um, making sure everybody's okay. Now, rarely in a sports team does one person do all three positions. And in fact, they did a huge piece of research in Belgium where they looked about eight or nine sports 
And just about every time, only 2% of captains did all those roles. So very often the manager will give either what we call formal roles, which is giving him the armband, but there's also informal roles as well. And they would be the motivational guy, the guy who organises the socials at the end of the, the week or the end of the season. So I think it's just too simplistic to say you've got the armband as media and we're not going to know who is sweeping up behind the first team squad at a rugby squad or a cricket squad or a football squad, who's doing that, what I would call pastoral work. So therefore we, we can see what's visible to us, the task captain. Uh, I think of uh, players historically like Billy Bremner, Tony Adams... Roy Keane, he would be a great example of task and motivational. You wouldn't want to be in the same team as Roy Keane if you weren't pulling your weight. So there's probably some some good examples of, of players. More modern players, do you know it's harder to... It's You know, Vincent Company's an, an, obvious, an obvious example, and he would be a task and a motivational captain. But it's easy to pick out players of yesteryear than it is today. Beckham with a corner. It's towards Keane! Still to come on the art of captaincy, Jordan Henderson talks to us about the idea of natural-born leaders. I've always been given that responsibility, just the way probably I was brought up, my values from my parents, my friends. But does such a thing really exist? I'm Henry Winter and this is TalkSport. Oh captain, my captain, our fearful race is run. The team has weathered every game, the prize we sought is won. The end is near, the bells I hear, the people all exulting, while follow eyes, the steady keel, the vessel grim and daring. But oh heart, 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 oh the bleeding drops of red, white or blue, where on the deck my captain lies, along a trophy or two. Welcome back to The Art of Captaincy with me, Henry Winter, a talk sports special on what it takes to wear the armband. I've always wondered if some players were simply born captains, especially in the case of the only man to lead England to a football World Cup victory, Bobby Moore. But I'll leave this story to another brilliant West Ham and England centre-half, Alvin Martin, with a little help from talk sports' own Adrian Durham. Bobby Moore, England and West Ham captain, leader, legend, won the FA Cup in 64, Cup Winners' Cup in 65, World Cup in 66. It's quite a legacy. Moore was one of the lads, there's no doubt about that. His uh, old Hammers teammate, Harry Redknapp, quipped that Moore would have been captain of the England drinking team. Moore's motto was, win or lose, we're on the booze. If we draw, we'll have some more. So definitely a player's player, and remember the era we're talking about as well. But managers loved him, and that's quite an achievement to get that balance right. I always look upon him as a, he made a great James Bond. He looked the part, he carried himself with a dignity. I honestly don't know a player that's been in the game that has so many people that want to call him their best mate. Now, Alf's great quote on Moore's captaincy. Sir Alf said, he was my captain and my right-hand man. Bobby was the heartbeat of the England team, the king of the castle, my representative on the field. He made things work on the pitch. I had the deepest trust in him as a man, as a captain, as a confidant. I could easily overlook his indiscretions, his thirst for the good life, because he was the supreme professional, the best I ever worked with. This great moment 
in English sporting history as Bobby Moore goes up to get the World Cup. Alf Ramsey walking forward to shake his hand. I don't think you could get two personalities that were further apart than Bobby Moore and Sir Alf Ramsey. One's the headmaster, one is the, I suppose, I suppose the school prefect, but has got certain imperfections in him. I'm saying they're poles apart and they were in their personalities. But what there was that ran through both of those personalities and men was a calmness in battle. Sir Alf Ramsey knew he could send Bobby Moore out into any cauldron in the world and he would be calm and perform when other people around him were losing their heads. But on the captaincy, he said this, and this is a quote from the book from Bobby Moore. I like being a captain. I like the feeling of responsibility that if something happens on the field, I have to make a decision. The captain must be a natural leader, the kind of individual whose play and conduct sets an example to the others. Even quite prominent stars will take their lead from the team captain. If he is slack and cynical, doesn't seem to care much about training, then the rest of the team will take the hint. I try to be the other kind. Bobby Moore, as captain, set the standard. His name was always mentioned when we were given examples of how to prepare, how to train, how he looked after himself, how he dressed, how he spoke to people. But Bobby Moore was just the perfect specimen as well. So he looked the part and he just had a personality and a charisma and presence that matched his ability. And on the field, he led by example as well. Now, remember in the World Cup final, England were 3-2 up in that World Cup final, time running out, and Moore had the ball deep in his own half. Instead of booting it out of play, all his teammates, Jack Charlton, etc., were urging him just to boot it into the stands. He strode forward elegantly, picked out a perfect pass for Jeff Hurst. And here comes Hurst. He's got some fibbler on the pitch. They think it's all over. It is now. It's four. Bobby Moore had a class, a sophistication, and it was unparalleled. He was the perfect captain. I remember that, that moment, and even I was thinking, Bobby, get rid of it. <laughs> and you can see the people around him looking at him thinking what is he doing well he just he played the perfect game he played the perfect ball and he was the perfect captain from the quintessential captain to the most successful Premier League skipper in history John Terry won five domestic titles while wearing the armband for Chelsea. Another natural leader, at least in the eyes of the now Chelsea manager, Frank Lampard. John seemed to me and to the outside world, and he was a natural leader. It was very evident as he, I come to the club, I think he would have been probably 19 or something at the time and almost already the leader. And uh, naturally when Desai left the club, and he was, he was in all senses, he was chest stumping, you know, very evident. You watch a game, John's the leader, you can see that. But he also had lots of touches behind the scenes, which I think are the important thing when you really take everything away. And that's, well, firstly, the fact of why I was vice-captain, and quite happily so, because he would have everyone's phone number in the building in his phone. I didn't, because when I went home, I was a bit <laughs> different to that. And I think that was important as a leader to have that. So he had lots of other little details, I would say, that were hugely important to be a leader of a club like Chelsea. It's mm. important. And he would be the first one, if we had tough times, to, to call a meeting, a player meeting, to approach the manager about something from us players that we felt was, was a message to get across. And John was great at all that stuff. He played with 
uh, a quality and a determination and absolute desire to be successful that rubbed off amongst the, the squad. And with that, in terms of work, he had a huge humility to him. So are all captains simply born to lead? Was it something you can learn? In Jordan Henderson's case, the answer appears to be somewhere in between. I've always been given that responsibility, just the way probably I was brought up, my values from my parents, my friends. I've had that responsibility from, from, from my whole life, really. Having a younger sister, which I, I looked after when I, was, when I was quite young, but she's yeah, younger than, a lot younger than me. So, yeah, just things like that, I think, really, just, just always had that responsibility to, to look after people, and, um, and I think people could see that. Stuart Pearce agrees that leaders are moulded by their environment growing up. I don't honestly think that, that anyone is born a leader or born not a leader, personally. I, th I think leadership comes in, in many different guises as well. I don't think it is one size fits all when we talk about leadership in any way, shape or form. And I've been surprised by when put in certain environments, individuals that, that I thought weren't leaders have come to the fore and led. I don't think leadership comes from the top of any organisation solely. I think it comes from all walks of the organisation, from the top to the bottom. And often, uh, as I found with, with working with the under-21s, it's more powerful when it actually comes from the dressing room rather than a manager or a coach setting. I think the manager or a coach has to set a template to start with. But I think leadership over a journey is more powerful when it comes from the shop floor. Tony Adams has been immortalised in bronze outside the Emirates and his name has become synonymous with captain. Would you believe it? That sums it all up. Arsenal, the cream of the crop. And Mr Arsenal buries that chance. Here's Martin Keown. Well, I first played with Tony Adams when I was 15 years of age. And so, you know, there was, uh, I think, a healthy rivalry. Uh, Tony was f far more vocal, far more visual. Uh, he had that from a very young age. I was captaining everything that I, every team I played in until I got to play with Tony. So you kind of looked at it differently. Um, and then, of course, they took on that mantle in the Arsenal first team. You know, very proud man to take that over. And I thought he managed it and dealt with the situation extremely well. A very young man when he took that job, when you look back, um, and then took those qualities forward. And I think that Tony kind of felt that extra responsibility. I think it helped his his performance. And there was a time of the year, a time of the season when um, I think he would click into gear and then feel that that was his chance or his time to, to lead the team. And um, that was a special quality that he had. I was very fortunate because I played, obviously, with from a very young age with Tony Adams. Patrick Vieira then took over that. Uh, very different. Um but still very good captains in their own right. Magic ball from Bergkamp to Patrick Vieira! The captain, fittingly, gets the goal that might make history. I saw him as captain material from the day he walked into the football club when he pretended he couldn't speak English and then suddenly had a senior player around the throat when he was talking about him behind his back. And I've just felt that he had something special. You know, I don't think these guys try to be popular necessarily. It's not a popularity contest when you're picking your captain. And um, Patrick had all of those qualities. His very first pass he made in an Arsenal shirt, there was a, a trill of applause from the crowd because it was a wonderful pass because he had that strength and that bravery in his performance. Sports psychotherapist Gary Bloom. 
interesting you, you pick up the, the topic of Tony Adams, if we're going to mention Tony, who was a fantastic inspirational leader. And I worked with somebody who worked with him when Tony was captain of England. And this coach said to me, he said, the most inspirational speech I ever heard was an away game in Poland. And he said, Tony Adams gave a pre-match talk, and I'm quoting the coach, that made the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. He said, we just were motivated. We were completely driven. He'd, he'd really played the motivational, the second role, if you like. And he said, interestingly, when it got to the major championship for that, that was a qualifying game, when it got to the major championship, Adams was injured. And he said, apparently, Adams sat in the corner of the dressing room reading a book. So it's almost like, you know, he the task uh, of leading the team and the motivational and playing well was perfect for Adams, but he couldn't then become the external leader in that group because it wasn't in his makeup. Former Fulham captain Danny Murphy received the captaincy far later in his own career and argues that experience is crucial to the role. I think it's a learnt behaviour to be a, a good captain in many respects because you, as you go along, you, you become aware of what inspires others. There's, there's two types of captains, really. One, one is somebody who uses his talent, his energy and his hunger. So like Beckham and Stevie, for example. The way they play is inspiring because you're watching them get about the pitch and do the job in a way that you want to do it yourself and you, they inspire you simply by that. Four added minutes and Gerrard! Stunning! When you need someone to stand up and be counted to pull an absolute rabbit from a hat. Then Stevie added the ability to verbalise encouragement or kicks up the backside on, you know, as he got older and more comfortable in his own skin. I mean, in, in my own personal experience, my years as captain at Fulham, I, I grew into that role, really. I don't think I would have had the capability at 22, 23 to be as good a captain as I was. I, I say that, you know, that sounds a bit egotistical, but I, I think I was a good captain because I was at a stage in my career where I was comfortable with how I play, what I'm good at. And I could spot other people's problems a little bit. Even beyond sport, specifically within the military, there are those who still believe you've either got it or you don't. World-renowned explorer and officer of the British Army, Sir Randall Fiennes. I think that if, if it's not in your DNA, you're going to have a very difficult time. Um, and I can't think of anyone I know who's been a good leader who hasn't got a back-looking period of his early life and, if I know it, of his father... And I have to say that everything I've done in my life has come through hearing stories about my dad. And those stories must have come about because he was the way he was. And he commanded a tank regiment uh, at the famous Battle of Alamein, which is a turning point of the tank war in, in Africa, North Africa. And again, when he landed in Italy at Salerno in charge of a tank force, decided the way the war went at that particular time. So I reckon that DNA in terms of leadership in my family, I'm very lucky to have come from a dad and a granddad who did amazing things for many years as a good friend of Winnie Churchill, who was his teenage friend from his neighbour. I uh, didn't know he was going to become Winston Churchill. But they fought together in the Zulu and Boer Wars and some amazing stories. So DNA, from a personal perspective, I reckon that it does come to you and you're lucky if you've got it. And to sort of get it from scratch is going to be difficult. There are footballers who have leadership in their DNA. Tony Adams, Stephen Gerrard, forces of nature, leaders of men from a young age. And then there are others who grow into the role, like Harry Kane, now so impressively with England. 
And then there's the case of David Beckham. Petulant, dismissed at France 98, he had effigies burnt of him, he was placed under huge pressure, and yet, within two years, he had the England armband and proved to be one of England's best ever captains. England need a goal to qualify for the World Cup finals. Can it get any more dramatic than that? Can this be the moment that Beckham delivers? He steps up, he hits it, right footed! Yes! <laughs> David Beckham has scored! England have got the goal! And David Beckham is the saviour! And England are going to the World Cup finals after all! Still to come on the art of captaincy, we'll continue to look beyond just football to see how the armband can inhibit or inspire elite athletes in other sports. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of the TalkSport Daily is brought to you by Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Planning to hire or share a car or van? Enterprise is there every step of the way. Whenever and wherever you need a vehicle and whatever it's for, Enterprise can help. With over 450 locations across the UK, they're just around the corner. Whether you need a weekend rental, a holiday hire, a replacement car, or you're planning a business trip, home or away, Enterprise are there to help. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk. And Root goes back and he edges the ball to the third man boundary. Little leap in the air, a big punch of the right arm and fist. With England gunning to win the second test, the captain has made a splendid hundred. Now there's an opportunity, Sam Wallerton to score! The pressure was there, it opened up, and Warburton was hunting the moment. He goes over the line. See Khaleesi and South Africa. Welcome back to The Art of Captaincy with me, Henry Winter, a talk sports special on what it takes to wear the armband. To gain a deeper understanding of the art of captaincy, we need to look beyond football to other sports, where the captain takes on arguably an even more prominent role. Two-time Ashes winner Steve Harmison draws the comparison in cricket. Really, what does a football captain do? He wears an armband, tosses a coin, and, you know, he's, he's predominantly either the best player, most experienced player, stands there, shouts and bowls and screams and 
shows authority for his manager and kicks people up the backside who aren't maybe pulling their weight on a pitch for 45 minutes. Then the manager comes in, does what Vaughan and Strauss and change the plans, change the tactics, change everything that they're going to do if it's not working. And then the captain goes back out and makes sure that everything the manager said at half-time is implemented by his own high standards. A captain in cricket is a bit like the manager in football. There's certain people you have to avoid for the last four hours. I'd say Goff is definitely one of them. Rain delays can cause captains all kinds of problems, as the legendary England captain Nasser Hussain revealed to an ex-Hampshire captain Mark Nicholas live on TalkSport in Sri Lanka last year. Goff used to be very annoying in rain delays. He used to show you, you know, all his latest gadgets, his latest watch, his latest car, his latest bike. Always had better ones than everyone else. You know, you'd show him your new iPad or something. I've got a better one than that. You'd show him your watch. Mine is better than yours. Stay away from him. Toughnell used to just have a little kip. You'd have to wake Tuffers up and say, Tuffers, you're, you're batting now or we're going to start in half an hour. Try and get switched on. But the key to addressing them, as you know, you captained Hampshire very successfully. If you have so many different characters, one rule does not fit everyone. Some will go to the gym, some will relax, some will sleep, some will play the clown. But you can't have one rule of having everyone switched on or going to the gym or whatever. People want to do it differently. Recently retired Ireland captain Rory Best explains how those responsibilities translate to rugby. For us, it's, it's obviously the decision-making around the penalties in the opposition half. You know, by and large, everything in your own half, you're going to kick to, to the touch anyway. And I think whenever you go into a combative sport like rugby, a lot of the time is just instilling belief in the people around you. Even if, if you feel you're, you're in a no-win situation, you've got to exude that confidence that, look, we can do this no matter what, and, and you tend to get a little bit more from people. But, yeah, look, I think the key thing with, with rugby that I've found is that you've got to have a really good leadership team around you and people that you can trust and you're not afraid to lean on. For Lions and former Wales coach Warren Gatlin, Lawrence Deladio was the perfect rugby captain. Yeah, he was the best. Uh, such a competitor, that will to win. And I've never seen a captain being able to motivate a, a changing room like he was able to do and, and to bring the best out of players. And um, he just didn't talk the talk, he walked the walk, you know, in terms of he put his body on the line. Um, but he'd also take responsibility. When he when he didn't have the best performance, he'd put his hand up and say, I need to look at myself in the mirror and so do a few of you guys as well. So he was, you know, he was... Definitely the best that I've seen in terms of leading the team. High praise from a coach who's worked with the likes of Alan Wynne-Jones and Sam Warburton and says this of Warburton, who he clearly thought very highly of from a young age. I saw him very much in a similar role as Richie McCaw. He took the All Blacks on at a, at a young age and did a couple of World Cups. And, and for me, Sam was very much in that mould and was someone who was going to develop as a captain and he definitely developed as a captain. He wasn't... A captain who spoke a lot, but was definitely a, a captain who led by example in terms of the way he played. And he definitely got better and as, as time went on and obviously captain a, a couple of Lions tours as well. So you know, definitely an inspirational captain by the way that he played and led from the front. The ex-Lions and Wales skipper struggled somewhat with the weight of the armband. One of the hard things with being captain is if you play less than 8 out of 10, then the hammer comes down hard and you should, you've got to be dropped. So having that level of consistency at the top all the time is quite mentally taxing so that is what I found was hard about the captaincy so when you fall out of form when you have captaincy which is what happened towards 2016 that's where I thought right I don't want this to spiral out of control like sometimes it did in my earlier days of my career where I felt I had to hold on to it because I almost felt too proud to give up the captaincy later in my career I handed the captaincy over 
back at that point, I, I had a daughter when I was in 2016. So from 2016 onwards, I remember I, I didn't want the captaincy. So in 2017, I, I officially gave it up. I didn't want it. I, I kind of like, it gave me a massive amount of perspective over, I just wanted to enjoy, because I wasn't, I can't say I particularly enjoy being captain. In hindsight, like it was such a privilege. I'm glad I've done it and I do it all over again. But I couldn't say, it was more enjoyable not being captain. So I thought I'd rather be a leader within the team. I was still in the leadership group, you know, still be a, one of the key leaders, but I didn't want to have the captaincy. It's just like the weight of that. When I had a family, I just thought I just wanted to enjoy playing rugby and there was a Lions tour coming up. I thought I just need to be able to kind of put the team first and just do what I need to do to make sure my performance is the best it can possibly be because that's what's going to enable me to get the team, enable the team more likely to win, to make sure that my cog and the team perks up to us absolutely perfectly to get rid of the captaincy was the right thing for me to do then so I got rid of it didn't didn't want to do it moving forward and I probably had one of my best Six Nations campaigns I've ever had For sports performance psychotherapist Gary Bloom the armband will affect performance in one of two ways Very often captains the ones that have spoken to me will say that unless they're playing well they find it very hard to be an effective captain so form will affect the captaincy and if we move this into cricket there has been some research done which says that uh, if you look at the batting averages of captains in a cricket team, they dip over about a 15-year cycle. Now, you might wonder why that is, but I think the added responsibility is onerous for some people and some people can cope with it and rise to the challenge. I can think of one player in my team where I work who the captaincy actually adds 15 to 20% to his game. But on the other hand, I can think of players who it takes 20% away. But everyone reacts differently to the armband, as the former England manager Sam Allardyce can attest. The last thing I want to do is pick a player that actually gets put off his game by being captain. So you want a person who's being picked as captain that, and it actually takes it so well that it makes him actually play better uh, with more responsibility. Former Arsenal captain Sol Campbell agrees. It's almost an extension of you. You know, it's a, it's, it's a very privileged position to be in, being captain. Uh, like club captain as well and, and, and vice captain, it's, uh, they're great roles because there is a responsibility that comes with it on the field and off the field as well. Yes, you know, everybody, some people make mistakes and I, I get that, but it's how you carry yourself and how, because sometimes you give a captaincy to someone and sometimes they, they push on, they flourish. Other times, <laughs> they will just, it's like, what? well, I better take the captaincy off him because he can't handle it. You know, So um, it comes down to personality really as well. For local lad and Aston Villa captain Jack Grealish, the armband is anything but a burden. I love it. I try and thrive off it and I think that's what I do. I think that's why the manager trusted me and gave me the armband because he knew that I would thrive off it, which I did at the back end of last season. Um, I don't see it as any extra bit of pressure or anything. Um, you look around our changing room, you know, we have so much talent and so much, um, so many leaders in there, shall I say, you know, likes of Tyrone, Tom Heaton, John McGinn, Conor Horahan, you know, we were all leaders in there, so we don't really change the way I do stuff, the way I play, or the way I act, because I was still the same last year, before I got injured and I weren't captain, so um, yeah, I just try and take it in my stride and, and obviously help the lads the way I can. But Grealish has led his side back to the promised land of the Premier League. There's even more pressure on the captain when things aren't going so well. Sam Warburton again. Guilt, shame, embarrassment, because like, you're the one who's been preaching. And that's what I'm like. You know, I always preach this professional, positive attitude all the time. 
you know, always wanting to be the ultimate pro, and then you're walking off with your tail between your legs after 17 minutes of a World Cup semi-final after being sent off. And uh, France coming up with the ball from the line-out. Oh, and, dear. Uh, it's all gone off, as they say. Suddenly, a big tackle and... A collision there that caused it at the start, Brian. Well, I think it was I think it was Warburton. He picked a French player up and dumped him. Oh, he's been sent off. Well, that is if that's right, that is absolutely ludicrous. That's that's horrendous to go through. And you, then you're helpless then for the next two hours, hour and a half, and the game's going on. And the punishment enough of sitting on the side of the pitch in front of millions of people with the camera in my face. And the shame of that was like as 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 big a punishment as I could have imagined. Like, it was it was awful and. I wasn't going to go and hide in the change room like some people do. I wanted to stay out and watch the game, and because I could have still given feedback at half time or during the second half to someone to send a message on. So I still wanted to contribute, but that's that's horrendous. But to go through that, like I wouldn't change it. I always think things happen for a reason. I think it helped shape that team for the two years moving on because after that two years, then we won the next two Six Nations two years in a row, and then thirteen of that team started of the Welsh team started for the British and Irish Lions, who won the Test series in Australia. So. I kind of think going through adversity is a good thing sometimes. Chris Robshaw, captain in England side, which infamously failed to make it out of the pool stage at a home Rugby World Cup in 2015. That's the toughest time because look, when, when you're winning and things are going well, it's it's pretty smooth and and a lot of things tend to take care of themselves a bit. Of course, you're always pushing into, because you can't stand still, you always need to improve. But yeah, the other side, when, when you have lost or when things aren't going well, it, it can be quite a dark place because you're, you're trying things, you're trying to evolve and sometimes you just can't get momentum back. Uh, but you've just got to keep on going and going and going. And as a captain and as a leader, you're the driving force that people can't get too down. I think now, of, like I said, when I've when I've been through a lot of it, um, the lows side of it as well, is you can notice the signs when people are struggling, which again, but probably before I was captain, I, I probably didn't realise. And it's about being there for people. It's um, about putting an arm around people or just having a quiet word with them from time to time because until you've been through those type of situations where you're having the backlash of the media or or you can't buy a result and all this kind of stuff, it, it's tough to really experience it because I had a lot of friends who would be like, oh, you'll be fine, you'll be fine, but they don't know what you're going through. If you think the pressure from the media can be intense for an England rugby player, try being the England footballer who Brendan Rodgers made Liverpool captain after Steven Gerrard. Laura Wood spoke to Jordan Henderson for us. Obviously, he's seen the, the responsibility and the leadership within us that he, he felt as though I could lead Liverpool. And that was a give me a lot of confidence, you know, mm. to be able to do that. So, yeah, again, without Brendan, I, I wouldn't be where I am today, really. I've, he's got a big part to play in me in my career so far. In the past, you've had a lot of criticism aimed at you as well. In the past? <laughs> <laughs> I get it every week, I think. Yeah, that's something that I've learned to deal with, you know, over time. At a, at a young age, it's quite difficult to deal with especially when you come to a club like Liverpool. So it takes a little bit of time to get used to. But then again, now I quite enjoy it and you learn to enjoy that criticism and you learn to use it in the right way as few. Like you say, I think that's that's really important. And and I've just managed to do that yeah, for a long time now and hopefully I can just continue using that, that negative energy or criticism that people throw my way and try to turn it into a positive and improve them wrong and just do me best for the team. And for his old under-21 manager, Stuart Pearce, his ability to deal with the weight of the armband is what demonstrates that captain's quality. There have been dissenters over time, but he's never shirked a challenge. And that, for me, is also great leadership. He's shown the rest of his squad, look, you can suffer criticism. I can be a Champions League winner and suffer criticism, but still... It's, it's not going to drive me under. I'm going to come out fighting. And that's the nature of the kid.
So we've seen how some players thrive with the armband. We've also seen how the armband can tighten and inhibit them. Next, we'll ask if the role of the captain is evolving. The image of an old school captain is probably, at times, some people viewed as bullying. I'm Henry Winter and this is TalkSport. But in football, I know how quickly it can change, and you've got to keep improving, you've got to keep working hard. Company had a look, had a hit! for a goal from his wildest dreams. The Barclays Premier League trophy is given to the Belgian international. The captain of Manchester City thrusts it high into the blue sky. Manchester City are the Premier League champions. I, I don't know if you specifically talk about leadership. I, I just make it very simple. I said a good leader or a good captain in terms of football is the one guy who cares about the team a little bit more than, than himself and that goes a long way. You do sacrifice certain things sometimes because you put um, other people ahead of yourself, but ultimately that's, that's what you have to do to be a good leader, so that's my simple advice to all these guys who are looking for leadership roles. Having built the perfect captain and tussled with the debate over whether these leaders are born or bred, we're left to explore whether or not the role of the captain is different in sport today. Legendary Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger, now FIFA's chief of global football development, believes the captaincy must evolve in order to deal with a modern-day player. Well, ideally, you know, uh, it's a guy who is the voice of a manager normally in the dressing room, is respected by others, uh, can maintain a good level of uh, focus in the dressing room because it's always ups and downs on the, on the concentration, on the spirit. And uh, so it's a guy who can remind people what they are there for and what is the target and uh, is uh, listened by people. So if you have uh, three or four, it's better than only one because the one is not always there. And uh, what has uh, changed a little bit now in the, in the game is as well is that every, every player in the big clubs is basically a club inside the club, you know, they have their own advisors, their own video specialists, their own fitness coaches, their own physios sometimes. So it's a little bit more complicated today. Gary Neville is convinced it is easier to be captain today. Ultimately now I'd say coaches are probably a lot more open-minded to captains and players talking to them. I think essentially it was more of a dictatorial style, I think, probably going back into the 80s and 90s where the manager or coach would lecture or speak at you and tell you instructions. Whereas now I think it is more collaboration between the players. I think there is more sort of, even in business as well, or even in sort of the media, you will be brought along on the journey rather than told what to do. Captain nowadays might be more easy than maybe it was. Cause the idea of knocking on Sir Alex Ferguson's door as the captain and asking for something was never a pleasant task you know ultimately you know, can we go out tonight or can we go out next week and go for a meal or can we can we have better bonuses which is essentially conversations we had to have 
you know, and I had to have eventually, or can I have a contract for a younger player that's more than he's on now because he doesn't want to come in and knock on your door. I don't think that happens nowadays. I think our captains would be more, I think, comfortable going speaking to the manager, more friendly with. No, I was I wasn't friends with Sir Alex Ferguson. It was more of a sort of boss and the. I was a player but nowadays I get the feeling they are closer and maybe a bit more comfortable speaking to them The Burnley manager Sean Dyche accepts that the captain's priorities are certainly different now I think maybe there's there's less less of a vocal edge captains were often vocal um, when I played and you know including myself as a captain you know, I was a very vocal player as you could probably imagine <laughs> I think that's changed I think a lot of captains have changed how they do it by just the way they go and do, you know the way they go about their business the way they are um, some are vocal still um, so I think it's probably slightly changed and, and probably a bigger awareness of um, the bigger picture around them. You know, we, we, we motivated and organised and, and were pretty black and white. I think uh, I think captains now are understanding of a bit more to it, you know, the bigger picture of football. And of course, now they might advise on many things, you know, to other players. It might be social media, all sorts. Well, I didn't have to worry about all that. just had to try and motivate a team to, or play my part in motivating a team to go and win games. Stuart Pearce also agrees that captains have to adapt to lead successfully in modern sport. The old style leaders don't work anymore, but leaders do that evolve. And I think good leaders evolve. Maybe some of the things I did as a leader of football teams back in the 70s, 80s, whatever, it, it fitted the criteria of the times, if you like. I'd like to think certainly myself and probably I would look at all businesses of all good leaders and say... These people have sort of evolved as time's gone on and you, your leadership style evolves as well and, and it evolves with the time. So I don't think you can say he was a good leader in those days. Some, Yes, OK, if you haven't decided you don't want to change, then you won't be a good leader in today's society. If you're cute enough to change with the times and it's not all about you as a person being a good leader, it's about getting in tune with the audience that are in front of you. For Danny Murphy, it has more to do with the change in the coaching culture in this country. I think the lads quite like a, cap- a strong captain and, a, and a, some consistency. They like to know there's someone there who's got their back and will you know, have the lads' uh, corner when, when you need to speak to the manager or the coach staff about various things. I, I think nothing's changed for me in terms of what you need to be a good captain. I just think maybe there's a there's a culture now with coaching, especially younger players, where they're not given as much responsibility to take decisions on the pitch at young age and and lead others, uh, and you know, you, there's not as much encouragement for players to verbally help other players or kick them up the backside if you like. It's frowned upon a little bit. You know, the coaches leave that to me, leave that to me. You know, I've seen a lot of that academy football where. Players are being a little bit nullified in, in their ability to communicate their natural way. And I, I think there's nothing wrong with letting players, even at a young age, try and work things out themselves. And if that means they have a row on the pitch, they have a row. You know, that's how you gain experience. You know, I, 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 I think we're losing a little bit of that. That's probably why there's not as many leaders now. And I, and I think also, you know, the the image of an old school captain is is, is probably, at times, some people viewed as bullying. You know, my, my early years, the captain, especially in the lower leagues when I was at Crew and stuff, the captain would rocket you. You know, like, I mean, I instantly was captain Liverpool when I first got in the team. I mean, if I give the ball away and or if I wasn't at it in training, he, he'd come for you. You know, and, and, and now there's a there's a culture of, hold on, you can't speak to me like that. You know, who are you? Whereas it was, it was respect then. John Solarco thinks something important has been lost in transition. I'm a little bit old school. I probably am very old school. When, you know, I was one of the last apprentices. 
you know, you came in early, you had your jobs, you had to clean the dressing rooms. I had a certain amount of players. I had to go and get their kit. I had to go and get their coffee, tea in the morning, their breakfast. You know, then you cleared up the kit afterwards. You polished their boots. You cleaned up, you tidied up, and you went home. That was you. That was your job. I just think for the youngsters now, I coached at the under-13s and under-16s at Palace. You know, I had to be pulled aside and said, look, you've got to go careful with these lads. And, I, you know, from my point of view, it's like it's no point, you know, tippy-toeing around them. I've got to tell them the realities. And that's why I could look them in the eye. When I've got to release them, and I'm sitting with their parents going, sorry, we're going to have to release you. The way I justify that is I've told you. I've told you what you've got to do, what you're doing wrong, what you've got to do better, and what you've got to bring. And maybe that's where they learn it. But has this had an effect on the number of natural leaders now coming through in our young people? Sports psychotherapist Gary Bloom certainly thinks so. Football clubs are going to find it increasingly difficult to find natural leaders. Now, say we can either teach people to be leaders or you'd go outside the system, outside the country into other cultures. And I think um, I can think of other countries where those qualities would be uh, very evident amongst their young people. They are disappearing, uh, in my opinion. This is not just in sport. I worked with the military recently and they've got exactly the same problem. Finding people who can lead companies is becoming increasingly difficult because quite simply the the way those young people are being brought up, they don't have to encounter difficulty. If you want something, it's there with a swipe of your phone. Uh, this idea of determination and, and, and perseverance are not necessarily in the DNA. I know it's a sweeping generalisation, but it's not necessarily in the DNA of our young people. It has to be taught. I work in schools. It's there very, very clearly. Young men find it increasingly difficult and have very, very differing views around what masculinity means. And that is eventually going to come out in their, in their football teams if they're going to play academy and first-team football. If it's there in the schools, five years hence, it'll be in the academies. Sam Allardyce, the former Premier League and England manager, agrees. In my opinion, there's a lot less captains of captains material about today than ever before. I think the upbringing now, I think as, uh, as the... As the upbringing has gone more lenient as years and years have gone on, and as we give more and more information, we we don't actually develop strong-minded people as much as we used to do because they don't think for themselves often enough as they're growing up and as in life and as they're growing up in football. Former Crystal Palace owner Simon Jordan doesn't think this is limited to just sport either. If you take society as, a, as, a, as an example, the reasons why this country is in a mess with this political situation is because of lack of leaders. People abdicating responsibility allows people that have got a little bit about them now and then to poke their head above the parapet and start to get brave. You do need people's opinions, but when, you are in a, when you're in a situation where you have a leader, you don't, need, you don't need a democracy at times, you need an autocracy. So I do think that in the business of sport, it's homogenised now, it's sanitised because the money sanitises it. Players don't like being told the truth. They don't like a Adversity. They only like good news. If the only news you can give is good news, one day adversity, a challenge is going to come knocking on these people's doors. And when it does, they're not capable of dealing with it. I think sport now has lost a lot of its characters, lost a lot of the culture because of the nature of the change, the, the amount of money that's come in. As I say, the, the game has changed from being a far more physical game to a far less physical game. And I think the character of players has changed because it's become more fickle, more lightweight. There aren't players that stay at football clubs for a long period of time. And unfortunately, whether we like it or we don't like it, money is a very corrosive element. It takes away hunger. It takes away drive. It takes away determination. Not from everybody, 
but from certain people. So I think there certainly is an element of... But I think our society has gone a bit snowflakey. You know, people are running around looking to be offended. And, you know, and when you get someone that speaks their mind in this country, oh, they're aggressive. When somebody's confident, oh, they're arrogant. No, when you speak your mind, you're not aggressive, you're assertive. When you believe in yourself, you're not arrogant, you're confident. And we want our leaders, and that's why every now and again, when you see someone comes out, Chris Wilder, he comes out and says, you know what? I don't think it's a good thing or a bonus for me to see my players work hard. Thank you very much. That's the basic principles. That's the kind of leadership that builds integrity and authenticity. So be careful what kind of leaders you want and what kind of leaders you're breeding because you want people that you're proud of and that represent something of value. It's a remarkable scene after a first half which will be spoken about for some time. We've had delays caused by racist chanting and now the Bulgarian captain is doing his best to try and placate his own supporters. It's hard to just sit here and say whether they should be allowed games at home. It's not the first time it's, it's happened. It's not my decision. It's down to UEFA, but I think it's very important that the, the bigger steps are, are taken. Captains can evolve. We saw that with Harry Kane in Sofia when England's black players were targeted by Bulgarian fans. We also saw the flip side of captaincy in Sofia where the Bulgarian captain went over to his fans at half-time and took it on himself, pleading with his fans to stop the racist abuse of England's black players. So what have we learned? We've learned that the art of captaincy has definitely changed. There are fewer natural leaders around and the role is as much about cajoling and collaborating as leading. For now, the armband looks good on Harry Kane, and we see the modern captain encouraging rather than shouting, collaborating, not dictating. Sport needs leaders. Here's hoping the next generation picks up the armband. I'm Henry Winter, and you've been listening to The Art of Captaincy on TalkSport. The Art of Captaincy, a TalkSport exclusive production. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whatever your mission, home or away, don't delay. Enterprise has the vehicle for the job. Rent from the best lineup in the UK. With over 450 branches, Enterprise has what your business needs. From compact three-door cars to spacious SUVs and people carriers to vans, they offer a large range of reliable vehicles perfect for the job. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk. 't feels broken but how do we fix it Westminster just doesn't seem to have the answers but we have found some people who do join me journalist Becca Hudson and me the former MP Ed Vasey for how I'd fix from the price of a pint to the housing crisis this is the show where we take an alternative look at the problems plaguing the nation and hear practical solutions from those in the know catch new episodes of Howard fix wherever you get your podcasts rebuilding Britain starts here <laughs>